Welcome to Poison for Profit. I'm Zach. And I'm Nick. And tonight we have an introductory episode into a microplastic series that we're doing, going into great detail on the microplastic, really the, the plastic crisis that the planet is facing. Today we're going to be talking about types of plastic, uh, how it becomes colloquially, colloquially, what, how do you say it? Colloquially? Don't Colloquially ask me. <laughs> known <laughs> uh, microplastics and the dangers of those, how they enter the body, how they affect the body, as well as wildlife. Yeah, so just to get into a brief intro on microplastics, they're a form of pollution that is either intentionally or accidentally released into the environment. Typically, they're defined as being smaller than five millimeters in length, and they can be found in items you use every day, all day, uh, like a bottle of water, food packaging, and it's actually even in the air we breathe. So pretty scary stuff. But before, obviously, we get into microplastics, we need to talk about the parent plastics that typically these plastics come from. There are six main types of plastic, P-E-T-E, H-D, PE, PVC, LDPE, PP, and PS, which also correspond to recycling symbols one through six. So if you've ever looked at the recycling symbol and wondered why there's a different number in this plastic versus another, that's why it's a different type of plastic. There's one last grouping, which is the seventh group, which is all other types of plastic are put into this. So that's your acrylics, fiberglass, nylon, polycarbonates, and polyatic acid. So we're just going to go and do a quick rundown of those six primary types of plastic. Uh, number one being PET, P-E-T-E, which is polyethylene terephthalate. It's the most commonly used type of plastic. It's used in things like soda and water bottles, peanut butter jars, clothing, and carpet fibers. Properties that make it so commonly used are that it has good gas and moisture barrier, high heat resistance, but it also leaches toxic antimony, which is a carcinogen when it is exposed to high temperatures, and it can leach that even when it's exposed to just sunlight. It can also leach bromine, which affects the central nervous system, and it can leach lead oxide and benzene. And we talk a lot about the time it takes for plastics to decompose. They stay in our environment for a long time. PETE can last uh, five to 10 years before it begins to decompose. In that decom dump decomposition uh, cycle, that's kind of where we're seeing these microplastics being formed as a side note. Uh, but going into the next one is HDPE or high density polyethylene. Uh, this is typically used in your milk jugs, your shampoo, conditioner bottles, cereal box liners, or plant pots. Uh, so why it's used, it's a really good moisture barrier, very good with chemical resistance. It can be semi-flexible and strong, so that's like the milk jug is the one that really stands out to me. It's got a little bit of a flex to it. And why it, is it bad? This is actually one of the safest form of plastics. However, it can leach estrogen mimicking chemicals that can disrupt hormones and even alter the structure of human cells. Even the safest form of plastic isn't that safe. This also has approximately 100 years to begin to decompose. 
hanging around in our ecosystem and in our environment for quite a while. Number three is PVC, polyvinyl chloride. Uh, I think it's important to point out that the components for what is used to produce PVC plastic is are the chemicals that were spilled in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're talking about after the plastic is produced, there's a lot of risks and potential harms to health that come from even from before the production phase um, we've seen already. Uh, so PVC is, of course, used for plumbing pipes. It's used in credit cards, vinyl floor coverings, children and pet toys, including teething rings and garden hoses. People probably already know it. It's very hard and rigid is why it's um, an attractive plastic to use for things like plumbing. It has chemical resistance and long-term stability. It is, however, dubbed the poison plastic because numerous toxins can leach throughout its life cycle. It's got BPAs, phthalates, lead, mercury, and it virtually never decomposes. Moving on to the next one is LDPE, which is the low-density polyethylene. This is used for your plastic wraps, your sandwich bags, garbage bags, bubble wrap. It's tough, flexible, good moisture barrier, and a low melting point. So this is kind of like the more flexible brother of HDPE. This is just a little bit lower density of the same thing. However, it still does have its downfalls where it is still producing those estrogen-mimicking chemicals, same as HDPE. This is, again, 500 to 1,000 years for it to decompose. Number five is PP, polypropylene. It's used for things like mustard, ketchup bottles, other condiments, potato chip bags, and drinking straws. It has a high melting point. It's hard but flexible and chemical resistant. Studies do show that it can leach chemicals that are linked to asthma and more hormone disruption. And takes about 20 to 30 years to decompose. As we've seen, 20, 30 years, that's on the low end for these plastics that we're talking about. They are everywhere and they're creating huge problems. And into our last of the plastics that have their own category, uh, PS or polystyrene or also known as styrofoam. Everyone knows this is your takeout containers, your little foam cups that you get your Gatorade at football practice, uh, your coat hangers, plastic cut cutlery, things like that, egg containers as well. It's a rigid and hard, very good for storing things. Uh, however, it's, again, all of these plastics have a downfall. This one leaches styrene, which can cause cancer and damage the nervous system. Uh, heat can increase the amount of styrene leached, so avoid for hot food and drinks so with this being a popular to-go container that unfortunately a lot of people just whip in the microwave you're just increasing the amount of these chemicals that you're exposing yourself to yeah it's kind of crazy that they say to avoid hot drinks i feel like anytime you get a hot chocolate anywhere it's served in styrofoam cups definitely for styrofoam to decompose it takes 50 years and then the other plastics, miscellaneous, I'll call them, is type 7. There are a uh, been shown to be a good chance of leaching BPA and BPS from these plastics. That's 
bisphenol A or bisphenol S. And those are endocrine disruptors, to be clear. And a majority of these plastics never decompose. So how do these plastics become microplastics? Lack of a better couple terms. These bigger plastics, they break down as we were talking, decompose into these smaller plastics. So once they're about five millimeters in length, that's when we consider them microplastics. All of those bad effects we were talking about above, those also apply to these microplastics. So as they're getting smaller, they're just getting into our ecosystem, our environment, and unfortunately us as well. So they just have that much more effect on us. They're breaking apart and they're releasing these chemical compounds that we're talking about, these BPAs, um, other endocrine disruptors, carcinogens. Yeah. So just going through a few of these, the ways that these plastics actually become microplastics, we're going to start with UV radiation. Very obvious. This is the sun over time. Uh, I think we all know the sun's effects, how powerful it is. It does break down these plastics, degrade them, and allow them to become microplastics. Uh, the next one going to be wind. So again, the wind very strong. Wind erosion is a thing. It's kind of a similar uh, process to turn plastics into microplastics with wind. And then precipitation. So that's the rain, again, the water is just slowly wearing down the plastics and leaching them all over our rivers and streams, our lakes and ponds. Microplastics are also made in the manufacturing process for plastics. So when plastics are molded uh, or cut, machined in any way, you might be able to guess, create these small you know, shavings or, or, or micro, microplastics from the uh, actual process of making the parent plastics. Sometimes they're even intentionally added to cosmetics, microbeads and things like, um, I guess I don't really know. Acne my, wash, I believe. Acne acne wash. I, th I thought they put them in like, a, I don't know if it was, is it cover up or something? I don't know what the terms are for makeup. Makeup. <laughs> yeah, and makeup. Uh, and synthetic clothing can release microplastics just through wear and tear and washing. Yeah, that one irks me. That's like your polyesters, right? Polyesters, nylons, yeah. So that's, you ever buy that t-shirt that you put it through the washing machine once and it's like has holes all over? That's this and it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's got beef with polyesters. I do, all cotton or all linen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, wool any wool might i ask oh yes big wool sock kind of guy <laughs> but anyways i could talk about wool socks all day how truly bad is the scale of this popular pollution uh, that's always the question you know you hear oh or you see i mean i see plastic bottles on the side of the road very easy to see but it's not something you can really see how many microplastics are on the side of the road how many microplastics are in this cup of water I'm drinking, how many microplastics are in the air I'm breathing? Uh, so we kind of correlated a few of the bigger examples of uh, microplastic pollution. So we're going to start off with the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. I uh, think a lot of people know about this, but this is a huge patch of trash out in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, it's almost entirely made up of microplastics. So most of the pictures you see are not the majority of the pollution that 
make up the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Uh, a lot of it is mixed within the water in that area, so you kind of almost have to think of it like as a soup. So these microplastics are just all over that soup. Uh, 70% of this debris sinks to the bottom, becoming an underwater trash heap. There's 50-foot plastic islands out there, and the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration's Marine Debris Program has estimated that it would take 67 ships one year to clean up less than 1% of the North Pacific Ocean. Lake Tahoe has an even higher concentration of microplastics than the currents that create the garbage patch. This is due to the nearly 15 million visitors the lake receives annually. The Mediterranean region has observed 134 animal species threatened by plastic waste in their stomachs. And air samples from Pic du Midi Observatory in the French Pyrenees Mountains. By the way, that is known as the clean station for its limited impact from the local environment there. Air samples there have been observed to contain microplastics that can originate as far away as Africa and North America. Some of the deepest parts of the ocean and some of the tallest mountains. Food and water contamination section. Uh, Fish and shellfish. There's over 900 particles per fish of microplastic. Shellfish contains more because they are filter feeding. And 74% of fillets, 63% of fish levers, and 99% of all fish studied contained at least one microplastic particle. So that's pretty much every fish has microplastic in it of some sort, uh, if not 900 pieces. Microplastics have been found in 75% of all meat and dairy products. Every blood sample in uh, beef has been shown to contain microplastics. And every animal pellet feed uh, has shown to contain microplastics as well. So it's not just contaminating us from the animal. It's contaminating the animal from their feed. That just reminds me, I don't know if you saw the viral uh, TikTok uh, of the pork facility that was grinding up whole bags of you like old bread to make feed for their pork with the plastic bags and everything so jesus yeah not just something we're saying <laughs> uh, but moving on to fruits and veggies the highest levels uh are in your apples and your carrots unfortunately those are two of my favorites of course uh, and they're actually able to travel into these uh plants through so into your fruit and your vegetable through the root systems they're so small so again the the plants getting infected not just um i don't know how to say this not just it's not just getting infected by being put into plastic but it's also being affected by plastic in its environment 90 percent of table salt has been shown to contain microplastics so that's like so like only 10% of what or no 90% of it. I was thinking 90% total of the salt was plastic for a second. It always plastic, <laughs> yeah. 90% of table salt samples. Yeah, 
have been shown to contain microplastics. Uh, mm-hmm. The next one we're going into is rice. So the paper or plastic package made no difference if the rice had microplastic or not. The microwavable packages obviously contained four times the amount of microplastic. However, I don't know if any of you like to wash your rice out there. It did reduce the plastic contamination by 20 to 40%. Bottled water, you can imagine, is a big source of microplastics. It is the largest source of plastic ingestion globally, and it's estimated 200, or excuse me, it's estimated 325 plastic particles per liter of bottled water. Well, Zach, I drink tap, so I'm safe, right? Wrong. (laughs) There is 5.5 plastic particles per liter in your tap water. Coffee cups, plastic lined uh, obviously single use and they can release more than five trillion plastic nanoparticles per liter when it comes into contact with hot water and all you beer drinkers out there there's anywhere from 1,000 to 9,000 particles per per 100 milliliters or 3.3 ounces of beer and of course the most vulnerable human beings in the population are not safe bottle-fed babies have been shown to swallow millions of plastic particles every day. Uh, and due to the high temperature process for sterilizing the plastic bottles, it raises that risk even more. Overall, the average preser- person consumes around 2,000 particles of plastic each week. So quite a lot of plastic. You, uh, me, your mother and father, your friends, everybody around the world are consuming and we'll talk a little bit how it impacts uh, humans and wildlife. Plastics have been affecting animals all over the world. Uh, they're found anywhere from the stomachs of whales. Whales come to the surface thinking plastic is a food source, and they get a belly full of it. And it can even be found entangling ants in the Canary Islands. One thing we've talked about before, Nick, plasticosis. The new disease that was created. Uh, destroys the stomach tissue. Basically, from the time they hatch, the mother birds are eating microplastics uh, and then passing them along to the chicks in their nests. And then these particles become lodged in that stomach tissue, causes scarring, much like the mechanism that asbestos causes fibrosis through. It gets lodged in the tissue, causes that layer of, of scar tissue and cancer build up from there. In the Gulf of Mexico, it's actually the deeper you dive, the more likely you are to find marine life that's consumed microplastics. And it adds up to about over a quarter of all crustaceans and fish being observed with uh, consuming microplastics. These microplastics can also transmit bacteria and dangerous chemicals to animals and humans alike. Uh, Particles have been also found in placentas of unborn fetuses at levels that researchers call a great concern. To me, any plastic that's in a fetus would be of great concern. So before we end this episode, we're just going to talk a little bit about what the next episodes are going to be about. And that's going to be where are these microplastics coming from? Over 380 million tons of plastic is manufactured every year. 
50% of that is for single use and only 8.7% recycled. 22% is mismanaged. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, plastics in modern life are virtually inescapable. We use them every day, and a lot of times there are no reasonable alternatives. We're going to examine why that is. Many companies that are driving the plastic pollution don't have any plans to change, and some of them are actually actively fighting against solutions. So join us for our next episode on microplastics, where we will start diving deep into this worldwide issue. We will link some of the articles that we used for this episode in the show notes, of course, with our social medias. Anything else, Nick? Thank you all for listening. Talk to you next time.